You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, I think Tommy's going to be fine. It's a sprained ankle, and he had it before and never missed any practice time or but aggravated it in the game. They thought the best thing to do was take a couple days of rest, get it healthier. I, I hope he can do something tomorrow, but I would be, I think we'll be really sure he can get going on Sunday. Ozigbu's still not practicing. Alonzo's running and feels pretty good, so I'm hopeful for Alonzo. You know, Jordan and Seathan, probably doubtful for that Indiana game, but with the bye, at least they're closer to playing in the, next, in the upcoming games but I don't know what that means for sure. Uh, Neville is still recovering, but I'm sure he should be healthy by the time we get practicing next week. And that's at the stage here for another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. That was head coach Mike Riley giving a rundown of injuries as the injury bug has hit this Nebraska football team here um, over their first five games. Really uh, seven key guys on the offense uh, battling some form of injury whether it was uh, during the game against Illinois or before the game against Illinois. And uh, you just hope that group of seven can get healthy here over the bye week. It sounds like Seaton Carter and Jordan Westerkamp are for sure going to not play against Indiana. But the real wild card one was Tommy Armstrong. And uh, Mike Riley um, revealed he didn't have an ankle injury. He was wearing a protective boot in uh, practice on uh, Wednesday. And, you know, I, I think it makes a lot of sense, Robin, as we bring Robin Washington and Nate Klaus in. Um, why Tommy Armstrong was not as much of a part of the running game against Illinois. Um, and, and that's one of the risks you take when you run your quarterback maybe 10 to 13 times a game like they had been doing. Um, you risk this type of maybe beating to your body. Yeah, I specifically remember you and I looking at each other like, why aren't they running Tommy? Like it, there were some certain plays that we just didn't see that had been you know really effective in the previous four games and that just they weren't calling. And so that kind of explains it, the fact that um, you know, obviously he suffered that injury well before the Illinois game, was able to practice through it, didn't miss any time, um, you know, gutted it out and just tried to get it to the bye week. But, um, you know, I, I guess I'm not overly concerned, especially, you know, with Mike Riley not seem very concerned about his availability for Indiana. But it's not so much a question of is he going to play or not, but is he going to be the effective runner that we've seen? Is he going to be more like he was against Illinois where, you know, he's a one-dimensional guy? And if Tommy's one-dimensional, he's significantly less effective uh, because his running ability is what has made him so good uh, in the early portion of this season. There's definitely some concern there about that. But at the same time, you know, how many how many times have we seen a quarterback over the last – eight years at Nebraska or, or or one of their key running backs be in a boot during the bye week, whether it was a significant injury or not. I, I think a lot of times they just automatically, whenever they can take a break, they, they throw a guy in a boot if he has any type of ankle or, or toe injury, you know, turf toe or, or whatever the case may be, um, just because it's the easiest way for those guys to kind of to heal up uh, as fast as possible. So, um, you know, definitely some concern, but I don't think there's any any reason to, to panic quite yet. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, A. Klaus, as we're talking about injuries. And, you know, the two big ones were Seaton Carter, who suffered an elbow injuries uh, wearing a cast right now. And then Jordan Westerkamp suffered a knee to the back. And by the way, there was like a bogus uh, Facebook story about his injury that I mean, I'm not even get into no, what it said. It was the worst it was thing. Worst like, thing I've ever read, ever. So whoever came up with that should be ashamed. Yeah, good for you. Um, but those two guys, um, you know, what worries me about those two injuries 
is the third down in the red zone. I mean, those had been Tommy Armstrong's kind of go-to guys on third and sevens, mm-hmm. third and sixes, and then the red zone. You go to the Northwestern game, Ethan Carter had that huge third down touchdown catch. We we saw Westerkamp, you know, over these first few games, really bail Tommy out in the red zone with some unbelievable catches. Um, who steps up in those spots? I mean, is it Stanley Morgan? Is it Brandon Riley? Is it DeMornay Pearsonell? Can a Sam Cotton and a Trey Foster at least give Nebraska something at the tight end position? I mean, those are all things that have to be addressed here over the next week. Yeah, and just to clarify on Seathen, it's not necessarily a cast. Like he's not there like uh, Rookie of the Year that movie with his arm <laughs> propped up. It, it's more like just like the supportive like brace. So I mean, he's not like in a full on like whatever paper mache or mache. Cl- cast or whatever you call it anyway so just to, to specify on that but uh yeah that those are two significant losses in this passing game just because of what they bring as far as just clutch and mismatches uh the slot i mean obviously demorning for personnel is the first guy you think of to step into that role but what i would like to see is maybe nebraska kind of utilize uh, some different guys in different positions um yeah i would i personally would love to see brandon riley maybe get some more looks in the slot and he will be i think yeah because of his speed i think could be a real you know mismatch factor um especially if he gets matched up against a slower safety or maybe even a linebacker i mean that that could be a real advantage for nebraska but uh one as far as you know making those third down catches the goodest thing or best thing that maybe came out of that illinois game considering these injuries was stanley morgan i mean all three of his catches converted first downs on third downs and he made some tough catches over the middle to where uh kind of an eye opener like whoa yeah, remember Stanley Morgan. So I think that he will be obviously a guy that elevates in that role. Brandon Riley, you know, he had a he had a bad drop against Illinois. Could have been a touchdown. Yeah, he, I mean, he's, he's got to shore that up because, you know, obviously by default he gets elevated into that spot. And Alonzo Moore being back, uh, that's certainly a significant boost uh, just for his playmaking. And Brian Reimers will probably take more snaps. But, yeah, I think Alonzo and DeMornay will kind of handle the edge. Um, Brandon Riley and Stanley and then Brandon Riley will probably patrol all of the slot duties here now Nate yeah Brandon Riley's got a good opportunity to step up I'm waiting to see DeMornay personnel break out I think maybe this gives him the opportunity to kind of have that breakout game you know he's, he's shown some promise in, in some of the punt returns um, so I mean you know that he's healthy he's feeling good right now but he, he may have the opportunity now to kind of have that breakout game gain a little little a few more targets here but uh, there's no question that Wester Camp and Seathan Carter have been kind of Tommy Armstrong's security blanket right now. Um, and it's appearing that, like you said, Robin, it's kind of appearing that Stanley Morgan is uh, gaining more and more trust from, from uh, Tommy Armstrong now. But, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how things shake out. Like you said, really fortunate that they're getting Alonzo Moore back in the fold. One more thing with Carter being out that you got to take into account is his run blocking. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's pro- one of the f- best perimeter blockers on the entire team as far as setting the edge for some of those stretch plays uh, that you know Nebraska's really had success with. So uh, those tight ends, Sam Cotton, Trey Foster, and even Tyler Hoppus gets elevated. I mean, those guys really have to pick it up not only as receivers uh, but in the blocking department. As we wrap up our opening thoughts here um, on the Husker Online show here during the bye week, Nebraska's 5-0, and the ranked number 12 in the country. And I think there's... A notion, you know, out there like, ah, they're five and zero, oh, but you know they haven't. You know, they're twelve. I think there's a lot of skepticism out there that you know what are they really the twelfth ranked team in the country? And you know, there's some of that out there. Like, are they this year's Iowa team? And you know, maybe they are. But I, all Nebraska can do, guys, is just win the games on the schedule. And if the pollsters want to keep moving them up, they're going to get moved up. But the only poll that matters will be the playoff poll. And to me, 
It's all about the Big Ten West. I don't care what the ranking is, what the record is. If they win the Big Ten West, which is going to take at minimum a 10-2 and record, I feel, um, that is going to be a good season. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, Nebraska's certainly been fortunate with their schedule, but, you know, so did Iowa, and they were, you know, one fourth down stop away from going to the you know college football playoff so I think Nebraska would take that in a heartbeat it doesn't matter how you get there as long as you get there and you know for once uh the schedule actually works out pretty well in Nebraska's favor how many years have they just been devastated by just brutal stretches well, in 2018 they will get that schedule yeah so I mean this this is the, the opportunity I mean you got to strike when the iron's hot and so far they've done that you know they've won every game they've been favored in every game and they're going to be favored over the next two weeks going into Wisconsin so I Indiana mean, might be you know I think they'll be favored but that's probably more of a pick em type game right now. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. With two weeks to prepare. And Ohio State And, State's and gonna, Indiana coming yeah, we'll off Ohio happens. State. I don't know. That I, I would pick Nebraska in a heartbeat in that one straight up. But anyway, uh, the, so like you said, the, Homer. The, the, the opportunity has been there for Nebraska. They've taken advantage. Say what you want about you know the quality of their wins. Uh, it doesn't matter because all the people remember is what your final record is going to be. Yeah, that's right. And it, and it starts and ends with the Big Ten West, like you said, Sean. And and, and there's a this weekend kind of represents, I think, uh, one of those points where uh, some team is going to fall out because you got Minnesota and Iowa going against each other, and whoever loses that game is completely out of the race. So uh, I think the picture gets becomes a little bit more clear on the Big Ten West after this weekend. All right, we'll have more bye week talk here as we'll talk offensive storylines. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I think that our team uh, has made plays to win games, and the fourth quarter is when you're doing that. And we're, like I said, I'm really, really proud of that. The biggest part is the mental competitiveness that I'm most pleased with is uh, keep your poise, keep playing, even though it wasn't very pretty, and, and then make some plays to win the game. It was great. I think we've just stayed with it. I think we've been in good shape, and I think we've some of the things that we've done early in games that we've been able to stick with, some of those runs that were three and four yards in the in the first half have turned into five and six yard carries, and that's been good. I think our guys haven't blinked, you know, in close games. I think we've just played and, and made some halftime adjustments. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Head coach Mike Riley and offensive coordinator Danny Langsdorf talking about just how this team has really taken on the personality of being a fourth quarter ball club as Nebraska outscored Illinois. 21 and nothing in their win uh, this past Saturday and a 31-16 victory. 21 of the 31 points came um, in the final 15 minutes of that game. And um, it, it's really a good trend to take on, Robin, when you look at this offense and how they've been able to perform because 18-play uh, scoring drive lasted nearly 11 minutes, I think 35 minutes of real time. Uh, I mean, that, that drive was, I mean, you could have gotten your car and drove to Omaha and, and, and got to Omaha and that drive was still going on on Saturday and they found a way to get it in there. Yeah, and that, like that's got to be the formula. I think Danny Langsdorf in that open, you listen to him, he said, we stuck with it. And that that's the key. Nebraska, unlike last season, you know, when the running game isn't working early, they don't abandon it and then resort to throwing the ball 45, 50 times. They stick with the running game. And you look at the fourth quarter numbers, that's where it's paying off. I mean, 78 to 6 speaks for, for itself. Uh, the, the running game, you know, Terrell Newby had what, like some 30 yards in the first three quarters and then ends up getting 113 in the fourth quarter alone. That's how you win in the Big Ten. And Nebraska's coaching staff has finally seemed to realize that. And they're sticking with their game plan of, you know, continuing with power football, wearing defenses down, and exploiting it in the fourth quarter. 
And it's given the players a lot of confidence, too. I mean, talking with Nick Gates, he was saying how um, he appreciates the fact that the coaches are sticking with the run game. And, you know, I think after last year, you know, when things wouldn't go – uh, the way they wanted it to, and they completely scrap the run game and, and start throwing the ball over the place. I, I think that you know planted some seeds of doubt with some of the players, and uh, so I, I think they like being able to to be physical and, and stick with that run game. And uh, just like Langsdorf said, the, in the fourth quarter, we're seeing those three and four and five yard gains turn into six, seven, eight plus ten yard gains. So. Uh, you know, I, I think that's that's been the winning formula so far. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we sit in the bye week. Nebraska five and zero, ranked number twelve in the country. Lots of injuries and and things they're trying to get healed up here. We addressed in the open, but for me, guys, offensive line is a huge concern going forward in this second half of the season. Uh, on Saturday, they had three walk-ons on the field. I mean, Dylan Utter is has been a scholarship guy and captain, so I mean, but he's still a former walk-on guy. Then Sam Hahn. And then Cole Conrad are out there uh, as the right guard, or the the left guard, and the right tackle for Nebraska um, in those situations. And Corey Whitaker comes off the bench as a right guard uh, for Tanner Farmer. Uh, but it has been uh, a tough, tough balancing act for Mike Cavanaugh. I don't remember a year where the O line has been this thin. Where you know on Saturday, if another guy would have went down. I mean, who the heck knows what they were going to do? Yeah, I mean, it's clearly a concern. And uh, all the staff wanted to do was get through that Illinois game in one piece. And um, they were fairly able to do that. I mean, they resorted to Cole Conrad, who, hey, to his credit, he stepped up and played played big. I mean, when David Neville, that ankle injury that has been bothering him for a while, uh, flared up. He was having a real hard time, you know, stopping those you know, Illinois defensive ends. And Cole Conrad stepped in and got the job done. But yeah, not ideal by any stretch of the imagination. Nebraska had to have this bye week to get healthy. Um, I think there's a good chance Tanner Farmer will be back. So that that's huge just to give a little bit more depth. David Neville's foot needs to heal up. Yeah, yeah, and so hopefully he can get back. But um, you know, I guess the interesting thing though, I mean, is you got Corey Whitaker who's started to play a lot of football now. I mean, do you do you look at him as you know maybe the left guard spot or do you stick with Sam Hahn? I, I think there's at least going to be some competition there. So. As long as the guys that are on the brink of getting healthy again can get healthy, it's going to go a long way in helping kind of replenish that offensive line depth, and that's desperately needed. Yeah, that's that's what has to happen for Nebraska, and I think more than anything, this is this is where you you kind of get exposed for for missing in recruiting over the last three or four years uh, or plus. You know, um, you know, in the Big Ten, you have to have guys up front, grown and, men. Yeah, in in Nebraska, I mean, there's you you look at the roster, the the guys that are on scholarship along that offensive line, and there's a handful of guys that should ideally be stepping up and stepping into and they're these just spots, ca- and they're just cashing checks and hanging out. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're not even doing. Yeah, anything they're, at they're this point. not in the not even remotely close to being in the conversation. And I think that's kind of an indictment on on the prior recruiting before the staff got here. So um, it's it's tough to tough to be in that position for Mike Cavanaugh. And some of these guys like a Dwayne Johnson and uh, a Zach Hannon and you know. You, you wonder, I don't even think they're probably at the hotel on Friday nights with the team. I mean, only a certain amount of players can be there for the travel rules. And, you know, it, it's Cole Conrad, you know, it's a great thing that this kid has stepped up. But it, like Nate said, it's a huge red flag to your upperclassmen when a Class C2 walk-on from Archbishop Bergen, who when Nate and I watched this guy at the Shrine Bowl, I, I guarantee you, Nate, when we were sitting there, there's no way we would have ever thought this guy would be on the field year three at Nebraska. I mean, he had potential, but he was really raw. So credit Mike Cavanaugh for getting this kid ready. 
but it's definitely not a good thing either um, that they're having to go that route. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, he's come a long way, and, and you have to give Cole Conrad a lot of credit. It's not to take anything away from him. Great kid, great story. He's obviously put his put himself in this position, but at the same time, you, you've got a lot of misses along the offensive line um, that that took place in order for this to be something that we're talking about right now. And apparently there's a couple scout team guys that are hurt. I know Matt Farniak's been in street clothes at games. John Reardon's been in street clothes. So I assume those are the two guys that aren't even practicing on the scouts right now. Yeah, Matt Riley mentioned that You know, even before the Illinois game. He said, on top of all the starters we have, we're also missing scout team guys. So just getting through practices was hard. I mean, because their defense didn't have an offensive line to go up against. So, uh, yeah, uh, they were in a real bad shape going into the bye week. They're, I mean, they're another year away. Once they can just send those four true freshmen in there, you know, and Decker, man, what the heck happened yeah. to this guy? I mean, he, he was in the spring knocking on the door and dealt with some sort of personal issue, and he's not even in the conversation. Jalen Barnett, another guy that was in the combo, is not in the conversation. So it's... It's head scratching, um, and I'm sure Mike Cavanaugh is probably more frustrated than anybody because there's a lot of guys that you know should be in these roles that aren't in the roles. They're not even in the conversation. I, did Decker travel? I assume he traveled to Northwestern, didn't he? Mm, I can't remember. I have to look it up. But I mean, he's like not even mentioned when it comes to your center depth. I mean, you're talking about Cole Conrad being your backup center. Conrad could be the center next year. I mean, I'll, I'll be curious. Farmer could be the center. Reardon could Reardon. Yeah. Bo Wilson. I mean, there's a lot of guys, but. I feel like Decker has to really do a lot to to kind of be the center I, next year. This past weekend, Decker was wearing, I believe, number eighty one. He, he was doing something on on special, special teams. teams, but so I mean, he's wearing eighty one. He's not even. I mean, if if Utter would have gone down, I don't know what they would have done. Cole Conrad. I mean, yeah, I mean, it would have been Cole Conrad. <laughs> that was be- last week, Mike Gavin, I go, "Who's your backup guard?" Cole Conrad. Who's your backup tackle? Cole Conrad. What about center? Cole Conrad. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Yeah. This guy's your backup at every position, and, and he had to come in the game. And I mean, <laughs> I've never seen a situation like that at Nebraska where all of your scholarship guys are not in the mix, and a walk on like that is called on to be the backup at every single position yeah. on the O line. Well, give him credit. I mean, it's not too often that a walk on. Is your your top your top guy at, at three different positions? So he's smart enough to play the three different positions, and he's he's put himself in that spot, I guess. All right, we'll shift the conversation to defense. Uh, Nebraska's running defense still has had some issues. We'll discuss that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, one thing is, uh, you know, we do this. Uh, Every year, every week, anyhow, we take our opponent's plays that have that have uh, that have hurt us, and we make sure we make those corrections. Uh, because again, if you don't, they're going to spring up, you know, somewhere along the line. We, we've added a couple little wrinkles in, in what we do, but what we're trying to do is just, we're trying to get back to the fundamentals of what we do and and do it better. That was defensive coordinator Mark Banker as we spoke with him during the bye week here as Nebraska's defense is. Try to get a few things shored up as they get ready for the meat of the Big Ten schedule, uh, starting with a very dangerous uh, Indiana offense led by Kevin Wilson, uh, former Bob Stoops coordinator, a successful Big 12 offensive mind uh, that's really got things going um, here at Indiana. But you guys, when we bring in Nate Klaus, Robin Washett, when you, you look at the defense right now, um, the the run the run defense has is, is, is been the issue. I mean, Nebraska, I think, is averaging – 
4.8 yards per carry um, against the run right now. That's 11th in the Big Ten. And, you know, you look at that number on paper, and the last three weeks, take away – I mean, I'd be curious what it is if you take away Fresno and Wyoming. Oh, yeah. I mean, these last three games um, have been very poor. I, I feel like it started with Oregon. Uh, some edge issues got exposed against Oregon. Some tackling issues got exposed. And, and they haven't really been fixed the last few weeks. No, and you look at kind of the, the root of the problem, and most people point the fingers right at the linebacker unit. And that's that's one of the biggest kind of head scratchers because that was supposed to be the deepest, most experienced, most talented position on the entire defense. And now all of a sudden, they're kind of one of the major concerns. And a lot of it is just, you know, not only not making tackles and missing, you know, tackles that are turning, you know, short yardage running plays into big time runs uh, it's just being out of position you know in coverages and taking terrible pursuit angles to the ball on the edge and you know just just not making plays that you would think that a veteran group like this would make and so that's that's got to be a concern for this defense and maybe when mark banker's talking about making adjustments over this bye week you know maybe it's something to to, to going back and, and working with these linebackers and trying to find some way uh to to get them in better spots to make plays and hey, nate i want to throw a couple numbers of linebackers for you to chew on half a sack Six tackles for loss, one forced fumble. That is the total stat line for Nebraska's linebackers over the first five games. Yeah, that's shocking, completely shocking that that that's the the stat line for that linebacker group. Because like like you said, Robin, that's that was supposed to be the strength, kind of the backbone of this entire defense was that linebacking core and uh, where they had so many capable bodies and and that guys that had played and and uh, you know leaders on that squad on that side uh, or that position. Um, but yeah, to me, it's a combination of terrible pursuit angles and, and tackling is, have just kind of doomed that group. And um, it just no one has really kind of taken hold and, and stepped up there. It's, it's uh, really perplexing. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. The segment of the Husker Online Show is brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill with uh, five locations in Omaha, soon to be two in Lincoln. In fact, uh, in just a couple of weeks, um, grandmothers on 70th and A will become Tanners. They're in the midst of getting that changed over. Uh, there's no better place, guys, to watch your bye week football here. As Saturday will be a great day to get into Tanners, watch some football Sunday as well, and Major League Baseball playoffs. Um, Friday, there's going to be four playoff games on. Um, it's kind of like the March Madness day for baseball as baseball starts at noon and goes to about midnight on Friday. Um, so make sure if you're trying to find a place to get some great wings, cold beer, uh, check out Tanner's at any one of their seven locations here in Omaha and Lincoln. And as we shift the conversation, guys, back over uh, to the defense, some of the issues with the linebackers might have to do with the D-line, too. I mean, when those defensive linemen aren't holding off blockers, uh, you heard Mark Banker talk about this, Robin, yesterday. Uh, they're getting cut a lot. Mm -hmm. The linebackers for Nebraska are having a hard time staying on their feet and some of that might have to do with just the D-line is letting those guys get to the second level a little faster than maybe they should. Yeah, that's a good point. And Mike Riley mentioned that, too, uh, after Wednesday's practice. You know, that, that's something that on film uh, has really jumped out to the staff. And so they they've, are making that a, a priority as well. Uh, this week during the bye week is just going back to some you know fall camp fundamental stuff of just simply getting off blocks and uh, you know while it seems kind of elementary I mean sometimes you need a refresher like that to where you get so consumed with learning schemes and you know preparing for an opponent that uh, sometimes you lose track of your, your just basic fundamentals a little bit and the perfect example I can remember in 2006 you know Bo, Bo Rood and Corey McEwen they were all big 12 linebackers because they had Adam Carricker and they had Jay Moore and Stuart Bradley and all these guys in front of them um, to kind of hold off blockers where the next year when those guys were all gone, 
uh, all of a sudden, Corey McEwen and Bo Rue didn't look very good. So, Nate, it can make a huge difference when you have a great D-line that can hold those guys an extra split second. Well, a great D-line is not only going to benefit the linebackers, but also the secondary. I mean, it all starts up front. And I think when you put something on film, like like the ability to, to uh, have a weakness for, for being cut, um, that's that's something that everyone's going to duplicate until you show that you can uh, that you can defend it. And, and if if you can't help but get but get cut, um, everyone's going to be doing it. So um, that's kind of the the weakness. And that's I think that's part of the reason why this is a good time for a bye week because they can go back, do some self scout, uh, and, and figure out okay, what is it that we need to fix, and what is it that other teams are going to continue to to throw at us uh, until we prove that we that we've fixed it. If you were to rank guys your linebackers in order who would be your number one right now I mean it's it's hard to do I'm mean, sitting here trying to think about it I mean I'd probably go Dedrick Young mm-hmm. but it's it's not by well, not, much. not a whole lot separates them I, no I mean and that's that's a bad thing I, I don't that you don't really have a guy that is that you could say well, I want a bunch of road dogs out yeah. there as you would say Nate that are exactly. just getting after it and then you don't see it right now well the problem is you have guys that show flashes you know how many times we've we seen Banderas blow up a play or Rose Ivy you know make a nice play in the backfield and then you don't see anything from the rest of the game. I mean, the consistency from those top group of linebackers has just not been there, and that's something that I don't think anybody expected going into the year. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan and Robin Washington, Nate Klaus, as we close up with uh, some final thoughts here on this defense. Um, you look at the secondary, though, that still continues to be the strength. Um, all of those guys on the back end have made plays uh, Josh Kalu, Chris Jones, Aaron Williams, Kyron Williams, Nathan Gary. Uh, we we really haven't seen much of Lamar Jackson, or you know, mentioned his name a lot. But still, that is a very impressive group of guys back there. That has kind of been. Um, the, if there's going to be some all conference players on the defense, there's probably at least two candidates on that defensive secondary. Yeah, I'd say if Chris Jones and Nate Geary are right now, maybe kind of in the maybe Kyron Kyron Williams Kyron is a dark Williams horse too. too. And hey, well, let's talk about Aaron Williams a little bit too. You know, we'll, we'll do our weekly plug for Pro Football Focus. <laughs> I know how much they love Nebraska, but uh, keeping that place open. They tweeted out a, a deal that Aaron Williams has allowed a quarterback rating of twenty three point seven when he's lined up in the slot in coverage, and that's they love the, those Nebraska clicks. That's the best of any Big Ten defensive back. So when Nebraska's in its nickel, Aaron Williams is locking down that slot. And so that, that's been a huge boost for them, too. Yeah, but there's still some, I think, some things they'd like to tighten up. Mike Riley mentioned it. Uh, Mark Banker mentioned it. That, you know, that as good as the secondary has been, especially as good as it has been compared to last year, there's still some areas that they'd like to tighten up there. All right, we'll continue this conversation as we'll move over to our Husker Online mailbag. We'll take your questions next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, we all, we all have a role, you know, when our number is called, you know, we have to be able to be ready to play. So as a senior class, I mean, we want to be able to uh, obviously win games this year and do a bit. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan as we bring in intern Matt Reynoldson for the weekly Husker Online mailbag segment. And you, you just heard uh, running back Terrell Newby 
uh, following the Illinois game, he really lifted this Husker team on his back uh, over, uh, what, 112 yards, I believe, in the fourth quarter uh, for 140 on the game. A real workman's-like day uh, for Terrell Newby. And our first question out of the gates here in the mailbag, Matt, is on Terrell Newby. Yeah, is this a one-game thing, or will we see Terrell Newby really start to finally take off as we haven't seen him do before? I hesitate to say he's going to take off. I mean, I, I, I just... I, I, a lot of it depends on the other injuries to guys. I think the Azigbo ankle ankle is something to watch. Um, and I never got a clear answer. Did Wilbon get hurt or did he just get pulled because of the fumble? Riley hinted that it was an injury thing, but that may have just been to cover up the fact that Wilbon just got benched for that fumble. Yeah, there, there was no clear answer and there has yet to be. So that's something we got to uh, figure out next week when we talk to him again. Nate Klaus? Yeah, I think it's going to have to continue because you do have some guys who are banged up. And Tommy. Yeah, I I think so. I mean, um, and and if the guys are healthy, then they've had the propensity to put the ball on the ground. And and Langsdorf said that, you know, it it is a little difficult to go back to a guy knowing that he's been putting the ball on the carpet. So uh, I think you have to have Newby keep it up. Yeah, and you look at these numbers, I believe Newby has not had a fumble in the Mike Riley era. Uh, they've had three running back fumbles in the last two games. Um, I, did Newby have one of them? I'm trying to remember now um, if he had one of those fumbles. But uh, last yeah, year... Yeah, well, he had the one against Northwestern. The Northwestern, yeah, the one over the end zone. So that I totally backtrack on that <laughs> that take. But he's, I mean, that, that's I don't consider that a terrible fumble. Um, it was an effort play. I mean, his, his one at Wisconsin a couple of years ago, that was a bad fumble when mm-hmm. they were playing in the snow in Madison. But on to the mailbag. Next question. Next question. The staff talked a lot preseason about run-pass balance, and they've, they've struck that balance almost to 50-50 balance of running and passing yards thus far. Is that the big reason for the success of this team? Well, yeah, I think the I, – I look at one number every game, about 200 yards rushing. If Nebraska breaks the 200-yard mark rushing the ball, uh, they are undefeated under Mike Riley. Um, in history, if Nebraska breaks 300, I don't think they've really ever lost. I mean, they maybe lost one time in the history. Um, so the, the 200 rushing yard number, though, in this Riley system – um, and, and they were under it until that newbie run in the fourth quarter. Uh, that is kind of the, the Mendoza line, where if they break that mark, uh, they're going to you know have a great chance to win a game. And you know, rushing for 200 yards, I mean, that, that's the formula. I mean, Nebraska's shown if you, can sit, you stick with the running game, you know, whether it's working or not, uh, that just creates so much you know, you know, better opportunities in the passing game and make, makes life so much easier on Tommy Armstrong. So uh, they have to, you know, continue to make you know running the ball uh, a priority you know especially early in the game and sustaining it on into the fourth quarter I mean you look at their fourth quarter numbers a lot of that has to do with being able to stick with a power game wearing down defenses and exploiting um, you know that that defensive fatigue uh, when the game's you know in the final minutes in the fourth quarter yeah, I think this was the blueprint heading into the season, and so far they've been able to to stick with it, which was something they weren't really able to do a whole lot of last year. So, um, yeah, it's, it's the balance to me is exactly why they were having success. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and A. Klaus are with Husker Online intern Matt Reynoldson as we take your questions here in the weekly mailbag. Switching to a personnel question, is this the last year Tavita Thompson can serve as a GA? And if so, will Bruce Reed assume a different position in player evaluation to make room, or will Tavita Thompson leave um no I think you get three years right Nate as a GA yeah but he was a GA at Oregon State before so I'm not sure I'm not sure if that carries over or not that's that's a good question uh 
I don't I I don't believe it does because I know there have been play you know guys who've gone into from one GA role at Nebraska to another GA role at another school so I don't want to say that it does carry over but I don't know for sure. Well, and, and there's nine graduate managers too, so I mean he could easily shift into a graduate manager role but the difference Nate with a lot of these jobs now they don't get that speaker's money they used to get so the the, the side income for a GA is probably a lot less than it used to be oh, years yeah. ago yeah no there's no doubt about it especially with the way that, that Nebraska does camps now because uh, you know I, I think in the past that's you those GAs they, they basically made their living off of doing the speaker's money and then camps. having a big payday at camps and uh, it's it's not structured that way anymore. Um, you, you're right, though. There's not a whole lot that separates what a GA is from the the graduate manager role on the staff, other than the scholarship check. Well, and and except for the ability to contact recruits as a GA, you can contact recruits and and recruit, and that's something that Tavita Thompson's been been very good at doing. If he's a graduate manager, he can't really contact recruits anymore and so i don't know if they'd really necessarily want to take him out of that role you know another guy in one of those roles that is that's intrigued me is james rogers um he's a former player mike riley's and you know he played jock he's jock was rogers brother but his presence around the players around the team around recruits um he's been a guy that is got my attention You, you can just tell like he has a presence around the team, and he's only been here, Nate, for a few few weeks, a few months. I mean, not that long. Yeah, he showed up. Yeah, uh, I think it was at some point during fall camp is when he started working at Nebraska. But it, he's an intern. Um, is he is definitely involved with recruits on campus, but he can't necessarily recruit uh, and reach out to kids. Um, but going back to Tavita Thompson, I, I mean, I don't know if. If I know that's the kind of the popular narrative is is Bruce Reed going to move into an administrative role so Tavita Con- Thompson can take over? As I'm a still waiting for coach. Barney Cotton to move in the administration. Yeah. I mean, remember that rumor was going yeah. around for years. Barney was moving into a desk job and you know to make room for for, for uh, Vince Vince Marrow <laughs> about that yeah about yeah. that um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, that's uh, that's a popular kind of theory, but that's uh, I think it's easier to to kind of throw that out there than for it to actually be done. All right, let's move the mailbag on. We got time for one or two more. All right, uh, we'll switch gears to a recruiting question. What's the early word on which recruits will be receiving official coach visits this weekend? Early word is uh, California dreaming uh, basically every big time recruit out in california is going to be having a coach come by his school or by practice or coming through to, to watch them play on friday night so uh there's going to be at least five or six coaches that i know of that are going to be out in california including mike riley uh and and it's it's all their top targets including some guys that are already committed to nebraska obviously calabasas high school with Keyshawn johnson jr and tristan jebbia and darnay holmes and bookie radley high all those guys are going to have Mike Riley at their game on Friday night. Um, and then you got five star wide receiver Joseph Lewis that has Keith Williams coming by. Um, you also have uh, Nebraska making a push here for Stephen Carr, the USC running back commit uh, out in California. From what I understand, Reggie Davis is going to be out there. Uh, and then Brian Stewart is going to be hitting uh, those areas and then heading up to Northern California to see some of his top. Uh, cornerback recruits so um that's that's kind of the the early word is uh, that nebraska is going to be hard and heavy out in california over the bye week and these three days or whatever they're going to be out are are very valuable days because they will not be out again like this until 
after the Iowa game or the Big Ten championship week, depending on if they make make it to Indy. So final question here in the mailbag with Matt Reynoldson. Well, I got I had to clean up, edit this question, but uh, what's your favorite memory about Sam Keller, the quarterback in the mid-2000s? <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> The, the best story I could share because it's it's like it's past the statue of limitations is his first night in Lincoln. Justin Tarmelin, rest in peace. God bless his soul. Um, I, that was the one guy that Sam Keller probably didn't need to link up with. Well, they linked up together the first night. They go out in Lincoln and just tie one on. And they <laughs> they, they, they they thought they were going to someone's house. They, they walked into somebody else's house in the middle of the night on accident. And I think the people knew who they were, so they didn't call the cops. Uh, and they just sent them out the door and sent them into their car. And Sam Keller, according to Justin Tarmelin, spent his first night in Lincoln falling asleep in the backseat of a car. That's that's my favorite Sam Keller story I could share. That's a good one. Nate, come uh, on, you got good yeah, ones. I, well, it, it actually one of the more interesting moments, I guess, uh, of – that I have of Sam Keller is also the first day that he arrived. I actually picked him up from the airport uh, and then took him, you know, from point A to point B, uh, you know, doing all of his, his physical checks and everything at the clinic and, and uh, getting him, getting him set up at the, you know, the uh, registrar's office and everything. And, and he actually left his book bag in my car uh, is from Arizona state. It was uh I forget what bowl game it was, um, but I'm kind of drawing a blank on that. But anyway, so he left his book bag in my car. And for the longest time, I kept telling him, hey, come by and, you know, get your get your bag. He left that in my car, and he, he, he never came by, never came by to get it. And eventually he just told me, hey, hey you can keep it. So I, I – so – I, and before that, I respected you know his property and didn't go through it. But uh, I found some interesting stuff in, <laughs> inside that book bag. I just keep it that way. <laughs> right. well, that's a good way to end the mailbag here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. We'll close the show next with some recruiting talk as the Husker coaches will be here on the road. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the show as we close the show with some recruiting talk as we bring in Husker Online's Nate Klaus. Uh, Nebraska had another big recruiting weekend, and uh, on the year now, Nate, Nebraska's had 25 official visitors in really over three games. They didn't have any official visitors in against Wyoming, so uh, they have averaged 8.3 visitors per weekend when the game is at 2.30 or at night. What are your thoughts just on their efforts, first of all, to kind of have this type of number early on in recruiting? Uh, it's been really impressive so far, especially when you look at last year's official visitor count during the season was only 28. So through first four home games, they've basically already matched their season's total for last year. Um, and by the time the next game rolls around, they're going to eclipse that margin. So it's been a... a uh, tremendous effort. I think it's been a coordinated effort too, because that's something that Mike Riley talked about after the signing day press conference was wanting to take more advantage of of the home games and the and atmosphere. Why not? Yeah, I mean the the atmosphere is is unmatched, and these kids that are coming in from California and, and Texas and Florida, they don't they don't understand exactly what Nebraska is all about quite yet. Their their perception of Nebraska is cornfields and barns and cows and tractors and whatever, and then they 
get here um, and they see Lincoln is a cool college town with stuff going on and they see all the fans that have been inside Memorial Stadium for 350 plus straight games and and just this the support and the, the overall atmosphere is it, they're blown away and, and uh, the reports are always positive and and especially so um, you know when you get a good group of high profile recruits around one another and, and they experience all that together um, I mean it's been it's been a perfect uh, kind of storm so far you just um, you're gonna have to be a little patient to, to see the payoff but I think it's coming you're listening here to the Husker Alliance show Nebraska had over 10 high profile visitors whether they were officials or unofficials Nate this weekend in Lincoln what were your big takeaways from that list of visitors, uh, Joseph Lewis being kind of the headline name among many others. Yeah, you start with Joseph Lewis. Hey, this was the third time he'd been on campus, and he'd been able to work out with Coach Williams at the Friday Night Lights camp in June, and then he came back in August and was able to kind of sit in on meetings and watch fall camp practices. And, and this weekend was big because he was actually able to, to see the, the preparations for a game, uh, witness the game, and, and hang out with a lot of the players on the team. I think that was a, a big thing for him. He wanted to to see how comfortable he'd be in Lincoln with the team, you know, kind of see himself as a student athlete at Nebraska. Um, and, and he did just that. I mean, he was had a great time. This is a kid that plays things close to the vest pretty, pretty much all the time, except he was visibly excited about the visit. He answered his phone when he, we called he him. He answered yeah, his that's phone. That's a pretty good sign. Yeah, he answered his phone when, when we called him, which is something that very rarely I mean, happens. a five-star, you've got, what would you say the percentage of a five-star answering his phone is uh, less than fifteen percent, unless you have a tremendous re- existing you know, kind of pre-existing relationship. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, because these kids get are getting hit from every which which angle. I mean, it, it's uh, it's pretty uh, extraordinary that a kid like that op- uh, answers his phone right away and uh, and is willing to do an interview with you. So, I, I think that was. I think Nebraska has this, kind of the inside track with him right now. He's he is going to take a couple other visits and. Uh, um, you know, Oregon uh, is, is going to be hosting him this weekend, but you know that's uh, that's a school that they've got some problems right now. Um, you know, obviously USC is just a few blocks away from his home there in, in Los Angeles, and and Alabama and Oklahoma are kind of entering the mix a little bit. But I tell you what, his relationship with Keith Williams, uh, Mike Riley, and, and and a lot of the players on this team now is is something to. Uh, that I think you know could be the X factor in his recruitment. What about Shevin Calloway? As we discussed the weekend with Nate Klaus, um, he was intriguing because it's a divisional guy. He's an Iowa commit. He's Iowa's best guy in the class, a four-star out of Dallas. Nebraska is in with a lot of his friends, including Damian Daniels, a defensive tackle that's already visited. You had kind of a tell-all session yeah. with Shevin Calloway, where I think even with you, with your experience in covering recruiting, I think you were a little surprised by the little tell-all interview you got with uh, Shevin Calloway. Yeah, I was really surprised. I mean, uh, the, the storyline surrounding Shevin Calloway's recruitment with Nebraska are are endless, really. When you when you look at the at the fact that he's a a, a kid from Dallas, Texas, um, has a teammate that's already visited Nebraska, is committed to Iowa, um, you know, and he's a top. 100 recruit in the country, one of the top overall cornerbacks in the country. Um, when I was talking with him after the game, you know, I asked him, I said, are you still, do you still consider yourself to, uh, to be uh, an Iowa commitment? And, and boy, he went into one heck of an answer. And, 
Uh, he, basically, the the short answer is yes. He still considers himself an Iowa commit, but um, I don't think there's any way that Shevin Callaway ends up in Iowa City following what he told me. Especially how Iowa's handled it. If his side of the story is true, yeah. And, and there are always two sides of the story. And, and the unfortunate part of recruiting is that you can you never really get the the university's side or the coach's side of the story because they can't really comment on it. But basically, what Shevin Callaway was saying it is that there's a huge huge fracture in the the relationship between he uh, and his parents and with uh, the coaching staff at Iowa and, and a lot of it has to do with communication issues that that Iowa you know as soon as he committed the the coaches you know stopped recruiting him quite as hard um, that uh, that the coaches there had been saying that oh we've been trying to call you or we've we've tried to reach out and talk with you um, but in in fact their phones have never rang, you know, they, they're not getting their messages somehow, The you know, whatever. My dog ate my homework. Yeah, I mean, it's it's <laughs> strange, you know, with caller ID and with texting and direct messaging over Twitter, there's no reason why uh, you could you should ever be able to say, well, I tried to call you. It doesn't really yeah, pass the smell test. It doesn't test. pass the smell test. And, and so it's either, either this is one giant cop-out for Chevin Callaway to kind of you know, break break up with Iowa without making himself look terribly bad, or someone on Iowa's staff has has dropped the ball in a huge way. So, I mean, regardless, Nebraska could be the team that comes out of this smelling like a rose because they could end up picking up one of the top cornerbacks in the country and uh, take away the best recruit out of Iowa's class. All right, Nate, as we wrap it up, here we've got about a minute left. Um, Husker coaches will be on the road in full force this weekend. If you were to tell Husker fans a couple things to watch, what are you watching on the road right now with Mike Riley and the staff all out right now? Well, I, I think what you watch is is to see exactly which one of uh, you know the the top remaining targets Nebraska is going after. I think that will tell you who they feel like um, they've got a good shot with, and and maybe who they feel like they they really are putting the full court press on to to impress to get on campus. Um, and the other thing that I, that I'm really going to be paying attention to is is uh, underclassmen recruiting. I think that we're going to see a lot of new offers come out of this these next three or four days. Um, and, and also, uh, it could kind of clear up the picture at uh, the quarterback recruiting for next year's class. The, the staff has done a good job at, at getting a couple of, of high-profile recruits at that position. Now, but it's kind of unclear who they're going to go after for 2018. Who, who's interested? So I, I think where Danny Langsdorf goes um, is going to be telling to to kind of see get a get an idea of who they're going after for that 2018 quarterback. Well, lots to keep track of. Make sure you are on Husker Online this weekend as we will have full coverage of where Mike Riley and his coaches are at as uh, they really hit the trail in the recruiting ranks. But that wraps it up here for another edition of the Husker Online Show. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 